0: Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry.
1: And we are dealing with the coronavirus part two, I guess, (laughs) I don't know. We're gonna deal with the fact of the quarantine. We're two weeks in, people are having more questions, reacting in all kinds of different ways. So we wanna kind of take a look at this because you and I literally just two days ago got back from Ethiopia. I don't know when, is this thing going out?
0: Tuesday, oh, so this uh, yeah. is going on tomorrow.
1: Tomorrow, yeah. our time, yeah. Whatever that means in podcast time. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we just got back from Ethiopia, and so we had the pleasure, if you will, of watching this whole thing unfold in America from the other side of the world. Um, and what we did was we left a church that was essentially functioning in a very normal day-to-day process and now we have this season desist notice for all gatherings over 10 and apparently our governor just announced today that starting tomorrow you must stay at home unless it is an emergency mm-hmm. that will go essential little, well, yeah whatever that means so you turn on your facebook or your instagram whatever it is and it's all coronavirus all day every day and so we thought, let's give some more thoughts to the whole situation. Uh, we've had some chance to make some observations. Um, the Surgeon General just said that this week is going to get real bad, so we'll see, maybe. Um, all of it's an effort for people to take the whole thing seriously. That's what's really going behind. It's like, look, guys, we keep telling you, and you, you don't seem to buy into it, so we're going to tighten things down. Um now, we're not going to produce show notes for this one. It's really a, a very random flow of thought. So, if you're trying to see clear order, <laughs> eh, welcome to our brain or mine. Um, but right now, so far in um, this country of ours, over 20,000 people have died from flu by the end of February. By the, from the flu. From the flu, not the, flu. the coronavirus. Right. Um, but you've not heard a single thing about it. So I want people to understand that. Worse, in 2020, it's expected that over 600,000 people are going to die from cancer in just America. We're not talking worldwide. Uh, But most sad and most vile is that to date in America, approximately 196,000 little babies have been aborted. And no thought, no words, Mm -hmm. no thought. So we're all freaking out over this. And we're trying to figure out pastorally, how do we help people think about it? Um, because whether you're freaking out about it or you're not, it's affecting you. So I got a friend, we both do, who needs open heart surgery. And they've just told him, no, you are going to postpone you until this whole thing passes. But meanwhile, you can't talk to anybody, be around anybody because you might get this thing. So um, we're going to put off your open heart surgery because of the possibility of this, and the hospitals are just being destroyed because of people's fear. So, it's affecting you, whether you're handling it well or not, uh, one way or another. So, we're going to give you, in no apparent order, just our thoughts, observations, and then we're going to try to give some pastoral counsel. Yeah.
0: So, first, we would say that fear of the unknown is a very powerful force, and it has been Made very evident in this situation. And, and this is something we've been t- talking about this all week as we've just watched this thing unfold while we were in Ethiopia, just the power of fear. And it's just crazy. Corey Tenenboom does a nice quote. She says, Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength, carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. That's good. Yeah, really. and if if you don't know who she is, she
1: was in, uh, she was put into a um, what do you call it the uh, concentration camp for helping rescue Jews during World War II, and went through some of the most horrible things you can imagine, and through all of that suffering and stuff, saw the faithfulness and sufficiency of. Of Christ in it all. So when somebody like her or a Johnny Erickson Tada speaks about fear of the unknown, suffering stuff,
0: it's worth listening to. Do to. Well to listen. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> so again, fear though is this very powerful force, and we mentioned this in our first episode about the virus. But this gets into that whole great sin of what if. Oh my. Um, you know this this idea of what if and the paralysis that takes place. It it paralyzes you in your actions for today. Um, it puts you into a spin that's very hard to get out of, as as it it's the beginning, um, not based in reality but only in what's potential. Yep, and that's the challenge of it. It encourages you to make decisions then that are not based on what is revealed, but what is feared. And pastorally, it's ex- it. I feel I, I feel actually bad for
1: our president. You know, if, if he does nothing and says, "Let's see how this." progresses he's he's doomed if he tightens it down which is what he and every governor is doing but the point is that you're dealing with the what if and people are screaming and demanding you've got to do something it's like well how do you know what 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 are you going to do how how do you make a decision on that and yet that's what exactly what we're being asked so uh, so the first
0: one's fear yeah
1: don't don't underestimate the power of fear. And as a Christian, you should be thinking about that. How much of what I'm doing or not doing is being motivated with the what if? Mm-hmm. So the next, next one we would say is never forget that a crisis is a means to gain money or power by many. Now, if you will follow the, both of these, you will usually see things very differently in many situations. So if you wonder what we mean by that, I would say this. Um, go back. Go back and look at the trillions of dollars spent since uh, Al Gore made his infamous claims in 2006. He said that we had 10 years, 10 years to turn things around, or we were doomed. Well, it's been much more than 10 years. Now they have the new number of 12 years. And different people, different times, and different turns, but it's all the same gobbledygook. It's just, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, so what do we need to do? We need to go pour billions of dollars into this new industry or whatever, and we'll be all better. So we're called to give up our freedoms. We're called to give up our rights. We're, uh, we're, we're being told trust our futures to others. Um, so if you ever want to have a time where you get really annoyed, um, just do a search on terms like solar companies failed stimulus. Those are the words I used. Uh, And look at the hundreds of billions of dollars thrown away um, during the stimulus program, and we got to fight this great enemy of climate change. These are all companies that have gone under, but (gasps) they— You don't believe in climate change? No. No. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a (laughs) biblical Christian that actually reads Genesis, (laughs) but hey— Um, so the same people though, who are putting out obnoxious memes about plastic straws that can kill sea turtles are voting for solar farms and wind farms that are destroying birds by the millions. Um, it really is just this feel good effort that's used to enrich a few. So just follow the money and follow the flow of power. Uh, so somehow by being forced to have a toilet that can't flush uh you're saving the planet meanwhile the same lawmakers who make those laws are flying around in these private jets to lecture us little people on our new ways to give up freedom in the name of saving the planet but it has nothing to do with it it's all playing the what if and the fear-mongering that we just talked
0: about and we we buy into it when yeah. we shouldn't um next we'd say the christian is made to have real physical fellowship with other believers um, so let's just say you're not weird. If you feel out of sorts right now, because you can't be with other people, No, that's normal and natural, <laughs> right. And good. Um, you know, humans by nature are designed to interact with one another. It's part of the outworking of the imago day as, as the Trinity has that perfect constant fellowship within himself. Um, when, when you're converted to Jesus Christ, you're baptized by Jesus into the body of Christ, which is the church, but you're you know, done that with the spirit, um, and it immediately results in a desire, but also need to be with other believers. And so if you're feeling that way right now, it's okay. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's right. It's actually proper. <laughs> it bespeaks of the spirit you possess. Um but we'd also say frankly, those who avoid other Christians and instead are very content right now to sit at home just listening to sermons it would be a cause for much concern for us
1: yeah yeah so again we told you there's no no order to
0: these thoughts we're just kind of throwing them out there but and again i'm going to be very interested to see how this changes the lands how this changes the landscape of church going forward as we might be in this for not our church but the church oh yeah um as we might be in this for the next few months
1: oh yeah uh, I mean, I, I've got friends now, they've moved their pulpit to the parking lot and they had drive-in church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You're doing all kinds of things. All kinds of people are starting to say, hey, I don't need to do all of these other things. I can just have that. And that's a real cause for concern. There is something intrinsically proper for Christians to gather, willfully, knowingly gather together to to have fellowship. And so if you're feeling weird, it's okay. At the same time, it also is ask, helping people think about what is church. Yeah. So, uh, we would say church is not a sermon, and it's also not liturgy. Um, it's also not the ordinances or sacraments, depending on how you would call them. Um, but church is also not not those, right. <laughs> either. So, that's the weird thing about it. Um, the, there's this intimate relationship between what we're we are through the spirit, and what we do together as a body. Um, it's very, very difficult for you to separate the preaching of the word, the giving of the sacraments or ordinances, um, the singing together, the liturgy of the of the service. And you say, well, that's church. No, but it isn't not that either. There, there's this, there's something going on there as we gather together right. in the name of Christ. And, you know, I one of our elders, our her, the wife, she she's talked about how she missed being in church, how she missed hearing. I thought I liked the way she said she said something like along the lines of, I missed hearing the pages of the Bible being turned by everyone. Um you know, the voices of all the people singing together, there's something that happens there where you're with them and together you're doing it. That's why when we do the Lord's Supper, we don't each take it separately, but we wait for everybody to take it because it's something that we share in. So, we, you and I, we're actually right now working out how we're going to call our people to worship Without somehow implying that once all of this passes, we don't need to gather anymore because, hey, we can just do it online and you can stay in your underwear or pajamas <laughs> and and worship because, hey, you know, you heard
0: a sermon or you sang some songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, times like these are good because they do begin to reveal those places of both growth but also weakness. Yeah, amen to that Um you know, an example is how perhaps you view your children if if they're usually at school. I mean, what is this bringing out in some parents right now, you know? <laughs> oh
1: yeah, there's parents who are freaking. They're like, I don't know what to do with these kids. And it's like, they're your kids, figure it out. Um, but because they're usually at school for X number of hours each day, they become accustomed to living a life that's not around the yeah. idea of schooling and instructing and parenting them. Uh, a lot of the homeschool parents, those poor kids, nothing's changed.
0: No. <laughs> this is, and it's weird at home too, because so my wife's a stay at home mom, but I also work at home. So literally nothing has changed in our home. Like my daughter comes and knocks the same annoying amount of times every single day in my <laughs> office door, <laughs> but, but nothing's changed. And it's just, so it's, it's weird. Cause we're trying to, we're watching what's happening Um, and I know we're in a unique situation where I work at home and stuff, but, uh, it's just very strange for us because nothing's different. Um, but it's, it is, it has been interesting to watch the adjustments that other people are needing to make right now. And and we're not making a judgment even there. We are saying,
1: take this as a great opportunity (laughs) to watch yourself though. And it's like, are you watching tension, frustration? Are you feeling like you're being robbed of something because now your children are there 24 seven? Um, or do you feel like it's your job to keep them active? It's not. Right. Your job is not to create a schedule of activities from sun up to sundown um, every single day. And somehow you're pro- now promoting a, a learning environment or something. Just live with your children. Live out your life with them, and you're going to be fine. Uh, yes, you will need a schedule, <laughs> but but it probably doesn't need to be as complex as in your mind you're thinking. Right. Um, Humans make things so much harder than they need to be.
0: Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, we would ask all these <laughs> <laughs> questions like this. You know, so what? How? How are you viewing your children right now, who are usually at school, um, or how would you spend your time, um, or have you been spending your time being suddenly restricted to very minimal activity? Yeah. Again, tomorrow the orders going out, and except for like going to the store, the hospital, or walking on your sidewalk you're pretty restricted, um, how you handle your finances now that money's perhaps not flowing consistently into your account. Yeah, this account.
1: is, you know, if you're not making the same paycheck as you were, then that should tell you something. If you're in trouble, then it means that you're probably not living within your means. You're pushing the envelope, and and so you're not prepared for when difficulty arises, yeah. so you should think about
0: that. Imagine what we would do if the internet got shut down. Right. We, yeah, it can't happen because <laughs> our podcast would end. Well, yeah, that and that alone is the reason. Right. All resources must be diverted to keeping internet running. Yes. Buy yeah. mugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, no binge watching, no Facebook, no TikTok. Because I mean, your TikTok account is full. I know that. Oh, but God, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a TikTok account. <laughs> <laughs> well, we you should get one though. Um, you know, but whatever other thing that we normally use to just help us check out. Um, just imagine if all that went away, you know, so we're just saying, use this time as a reflection on priorities, how you're orienting your life, these kinds of things. It could be actually a very helpful revelation. Yeah. Remember guys, nobody is dragging bodies out and leaving
1: them in the gutter to be picked up at some point later on. Like, in past, some of the pandemics brought right. There's no mass graves going on here in America or anything else. So this is a very gentle right now. Maybe it will get worse, but it's a very gentle way to examine yourself. What what is being revealed about my heart that uh, maybe prior I was able to amuse myself from thinking. So another one would be then in light of that, that a wise person will take consistent stock of his heart and house. During this time, so uh, we'd be so dumb as to say, why don't you start making notes on your cell phone uh, of what is being revealed, and then ask yourself what what needs to change and why. Uh, husbands, most definitely, you should be doing this. Husbands, fathers, but moms, wives. Uh, even kids, all of you are having things revealed, Uh, something that if you have small groups in your church, maybe this is something you guys could all do together and then begin to discuss as they still gather, maybe through messages, some message system or uh, conference calls. But how are you uh, redeeming this time and what is being seen? Um, If if you waste this time, it'll be a shame. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: Here's some pastoral thoughts. Because we're pastors (laughs) and it's a pastoral podcast. So this is, I guess, required. Um, George Mueller says, "'The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety.'" A great quote. Um, Anxiety, in other words, is simply the evidence of a weak faith. And that's true. Um, And again, this is is not a rebuke, but it is reality. Uh, We don't want to slam anxiety, but we don't want to celebrate it either. Um, it needs to be shepherded um, you know, by your parents or spouse, pastors, friends, uh, but we would say most of all, that that needs to be shepherded by the word of God. William Gernall states, let your hope of heaven master your fear of death. Why should you be afraid to die, you who hope to live by dying?
1: I love that one. Yeah. You who hope to live by dying. Um, What are you afraid of, oh, Christian? We said that last podcast on coronavirus. Why are you so afraid? What what is it that has you so tense that it's terrible? Um, The worst that happens, Christ would—I mean, if Christ was here, he wouldn't say, let me hug you, and I'll I'll encourage you to take your anti-anxiety meds. He would look at you and say, what is it that you fear? Why are you afraid of that which could destroy the body? Rather, fear the one who can destroy the body and the soul. And if you were able to say your soul is right and good and safe with Christ, then he's, he's like, then you have no reason to fear. Um, it's such a simple idea. So if you're having anxiety, just understand we you, you need to begin to shepherd that, guide right. that. right. And so what we're going to do is take you through a famous passage that sometimes is thrown at you like, you know, take this and shut up Right. Um, out of Philippians 4. And we're going to give up some just very simple, nothing in depth here, uh, but a reflection on Philippians 4, because it's one of the most common passages talked about with worry. So you want to read the passage?
0: Yeah. Um, and this is verses 4 through 9 from chapter 4. Paul, who's writing, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things." The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So, again, we're not going to go in-depth here, but see this as simply two
1: pastors uh, who are trying to give you some observations from the Word, and hopefully in a way that will encourage you and kind of help you shepherd yourself and and those in your household.
0: Um, so, to begin, there's a series of commands that are here connected to one another. And so he, he says rejoice, um, be known or seen, um, not anxious, make known. Um, the first three are important ones and the final one is in relation to not being anxious. So first we would say our, our rejoicing, as he says here is to be in the Lord. And this is this is very important to keep in mind. Um, It is the truth of who Christ is and what we have in Jesus Christ that must capture our minds. Um, Worrying or suffering, um, persecution, sickness, all those kinds of things can rob us of our knowledge of the Lord. Uh, We can forget that though we're being pressed in every possible way that He is still with us, Um, that there is nothing that can separate us from Him and from the love of the Father, that truly though we may fail and we might fall and falter, we will not be conquered. Um, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so these are not little truths. (laughs) (laughs) Those are are awesome things. things. Um, and these are what we, what must bind our minds with to help us take every thought captive. Um, and so we must learn them until they become a habit. Um, and, and we know that we've made them ours when they're actually now moving us to obey, uh, this twice stated command here to rejoice. Right. Um. Right. But but always in
1: the Lord. So, it's not just some stupid, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's it's contemplating what we are and have in, in Christ that as we have that, then we're rejoicing in those things and the other things then begin right. to fade away. So, the second thing he says, he commands us to do is to exhibit this gentle, meek spirit to those around us, Um And this is interesting because it speaks of not being a person who's given to retaliation. Uh, That's the idea of the word. Uh, It's the idea of not insisting on your rights, uh, but showing the respect for others as well. So you can think of uh, ways this can be modeled in this current situation with the virus. Uh, How might our households or our marriages and relationships with neighbors be transformed if we actually show this kind of spirit to them? Because we're being commanded not to just be this, but to let it be known, let right. it be seen, mm-hmm. uh, so that people are watching and observing this. So, so how are we showing this? Um, uh, my wife, I can just give as a quick example, she just finished this morning writing a stack of cards that she's going to be mailing to various people uh, who are Christians and non-Christians alike, uh, words of encouragement, word of the gospel, that she's praying for them. It's just a way that she's showing a care and a concern for them, even though she's limited as to what she can do. How are you doing
0: it? What might you be doing? Um, That's the question. Um, Third, we are not to be anxious. Uh, It's very clear here. It's interesting that it's written in the negative. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He says, don't be anxious um, rather than saying something like be hopeful or be at peace. He's saying, do not be anxious. So there actually appears here to be some kind of corrective taking place that that he wants to be very clear about. Anxiety is present. Yeah. And so he's saying- Stop it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then notice also though, the strong contrast. Uh, Anxiety is to be turned into prayer. Um, He said, nothing is to become everything. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything or in all things, situations, ideally, or presumably ones here that are bad. Um, in those, by prayer and supplication, now let your requests be made known to God. This is cl- classic Paul, put off, put on. Yeah, and he doesn't say, stop being anxious. You have to fill that void. Yeah, and you fill it with prayer. Right, um, in all things, and that's that's what's key, yeah. though. Um, so removing worry, and this is the key here, removing worry isn't done in a vacuum, but in activity that's been ordained by God. Uh, so how do you battle anxiety? Well, you battle it by letting your requests be made known to God. Now, he already knows what they are, because he's God. But there's something in the act of doing that that even is helpful to relieve some of that anxiety. Well, and and
1: the what we said there is an activity ordained by God, because a lot of people will say, well, you know, when I'm anxious, I just need to go out and jog. And it's like, okay, fine, jog. But you're not— Trust me, you're not dealing with anxiety. You're um, numbing it. That's that's, yeah, you're numbing. That's an awesome way to say it. Um, you're doing something, but it's not what God is ordained as the way you address it. You want to go for a run, go for a run, but then during that run, fill
0: up your time with prayer. Right. Um, that's ordained by God. Um, and to break this down a little bit more, um, it's interesting here. You pray to God, but as you fret. Right, um, you you turn your anxieties into these prayer requests. So you take whatever that is that's causing anxiety, and that itself now becomes the request. Um, maybe you write them down as they come. Maybe you just stop each moment of the day and give them in prayer to the Lord. Um, it really doesn't matter how or when, as long as you do it. Um, but you don't just pray about it. That usually, you know. <laughs> We've heard these kind of prayers. Yeah, it becomes just kind of this wine fest uh, where you explain why everything is so scary or why it's so bad. And really, you just end up worse than the way you began. Um, Rather, you do it, though, as Paul instructs here, in supplication, uh, which, of course, carries an idea of urgency. Um, It's not, you know, you're rolling your eyes and saying, I know, I know, I have to pray about it. Um, But it's with a sense of urgency that God is to now hear these burdens of your heart. Um and then how are you how are you supposed to do it? I was looking up a Bible verse. Oh, okay. well, then let me answer my own transitional question. Uh, <laughs> God, you're a bad podcast partner sometimes. Um, I'm sorry. You're, you're to do it with Thanksgiving um, as that's the qualifier here. <laughs> One of the most commonly ignored though um, qualifiers that comes to that comes with dealing with this issue of worry. He says, turn worries into points of thanksgiving because there are these opportunities to acknowledge that you're weaker than you thought. Um, These anxieties reveal your heart as it really is, and it can be humbling but very good.
1: Well, we got into that a little bit about how the Christian walk is one of weakness, but we we don't want that. We always want to walk in strength when Christ is telling us we're going to walk in weakness. And so these times of anxieties, it's not— bad because it gives you an opportunity to give thanks of, wow, here's just one more place that I'm weak in, and I can turn that into Thanksgiving. yeah So, it, it gives you re- opportunity to remember God cares for you. Such a simple thing. And I, I mean, I, as a pastor, I have literally sat in people's living room, and they're literally sl- just blubbering. Their tears are coming down. They're filled with frustration, despair, anxiety. And I begin to talk to them and it's like, do you believe God has abandoned you? Well, well, no. And, and as I'm talking, you can almost see them, their back starts to stiffen and they become more confident. They're just being reminded that, no, I actually, I don't believe any of these things I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like, I know you don't. I know you. I know you love Christ. I know that your, your hope is in him. You just forgot. And all I'm really doing is reminding them of what they already know. And by the time they're kind of embarrassed and they're wiping their nose and they're like, I don't even know why I called you. It's like because people (laughs) forget. Um, It's not bad. Uh, They they just show you that your heart is weaker than you want to accept. That's very humbling, but it's always good. Uh, God cares for you. Um, These anxieties, anxieties remind you that God is in them. Uh, their source is God himself. So you can thank him that this is something he's given to you. It's not something that he accidentally let slip by. And now he's like, oh no, what do we do? What do we do? He's he's like, I gave it to you and you're not going to stumble over this. So
0: learn to thank him. Yeah. Um, And then there's a promise given to us. Right. Which is- A good promise. Yeah. Um, And he says, verse seven, God will- Guard our hearts in Jesus Christ, um, as we practice. Then this basic, and it is it, it is a basic spiritual discipline, but it's a discipline nonetheless. But as you practice that, what you'll find is that peace becomes your companion. That's the promise here, and not one that makes entirely makes sense. Um, this is a peace, as he says, that is beyond us, beyond comprehension or understanding. Yeah. Um, In other words, it's not going to be accomplished by some human means. People can't give it to us. So this is why at some point you have to just turn off the news. You have to stop reading the medical articles. You got to stop putting your hope in the newest breakthrough. Those things ultimately aren't what will give you peace. Um, In fact- Right now in this coronavirus, I have
1: had some conversations of people where I've said, all right, so you're freaking out over this, has, and you just looked and read this article. Has anything changed for you? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm like, no, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. You still can't leave your house. You still have to work from home. You still have your kids. Nothing has changed, and yet you're freaking out more because you watched— another turn it off just turn it off it's not going to matter if you catch it and you die from it having watched eight hours of cnn will not help you right but turning your words into words of thanksgiving and supplication that's good stuff
0: yeah and and there's a peace that comes um your it is god who guards your heart god will guard our hearts um in other words this is a gift of god to those And here's the point, it's a gift of God, but to those who are rejoicing Um, in conjunction with that earlier command, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. It's showing that meekness. It's letting our fears and needs be known to him, but on a consistent basis. Um, And so this is God's peace. Uh, He possesses it and therefore he alone is the one who gives it. Um, But it is not for all. It is only for those given to this practice here, what Paul has just commanded. Put off the anxiety, Put on a thankful request to God and rejoice. And then in verse eight, he sums
1: it all up. He says, "Finally, whatsoever or let, let me read from the New American. Uh, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, then the command: dwell on these things. Let your mind dwell on them. Rest there." So. This is uh, my wife's passage that she takes every woman in our church who's ever talked with her over any issue. Ultimately, they end up here. It's, don't be anxious, but with thanksgiving, let your supplications be known. The peace of God. And people are saying, yeah, but what if, what if, what if? And it's like, and second, along with that, you need to put on right thinking. So what are you filling your minds with? And this gets back into why are you watching nonstop news why are you on the drudge report or whatever it is that you go to for your news um what in what way is that helping you to think about things which are honest or just or or proper or excellent um the more that you begin to dwell upon the things which are of worth your mind and your energy to the better off you're going to be and uh almost every time as a pastor, you and I will find that the problem that most people have is that they're just thinking badly or they're not thinking at all, right? And so, they're just literally being driven by whatever is the latest horrible thing. So, if it's a straw that's killing a poor turtle, they're freaking out. If it's somebody heard that their brother, sister's, uncle's, best friend, uh, mother-in-law had somebody approach them and try to steal money from them then we're all freaking out about personal safety it's like dwell on that which is good yeah
0: and it's such a helpful passage too in any kind of anxiety because just a technical thing here these are written all in first class conditionals um where you know uh whatever is true honorable right pure lovely if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise um it does not presume doubt it could be translated since there's yeah. things excellent, yeah. since there are things worthy of praise. In other words, those caught up in anxiety, extreme forms of anxiety, and they can't see anything good. They can't see light in those times. The The assumption here is that there is stuff good out there, and it's the person of God himself and his promises to you. And so those are the things that we ought to dwell on, not just yep. vague yep. happiness, but concrete yep. things of God. That's well said,
1: concrete and... Yeah, you're not, it's not just sniffing flowers and feeling good things. It's, it's that which is truly excellent, not what you feel is excellent. And Paul then ends it in verse 9 by saying, The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, which is a sermon all by itself, because <laughs> he says you've learned from it. Then you also owned it, you received it, but you heard it and saw it in me as well. Um, He says, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. So, again, the one who will give you the peace, that God will be with you as you learn to live out a life that has been already modeled, hopefully. So, This thing gets into the responsibility of pastors and and fathers and mothers. You know, are they modeling for their children? Are they modeling for their church members what it looks like to dwell on that which is right? Or are they freaking out along with the others? Or are they pointing to things that have no excellence in and of themselves? Or are they uh, encouraging the people to be filled with anxiety and saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Look, God understands you. No, God understands you, but he also commands you to have no anxiety but rather turn it into prayer and supplication so you know he's just saying i've done these things i've gone this way i've traveled this path so if you're wondering what it looks like just ask yourself what did paul do oh yeah okay and then begin to do it and you'll find that god and his peace will be present with you so that that's our point
0: yeah so you want to bring it home
1: yeah so bring it all to a close um what we really want to do is remind ourselves that the virus and pandemic, it's all in the hands of our Lord, and that's a very good place for it to be. Right. <laughs> um, unless we are in an exceedingly unique situation and role, meaning we're the president or a governor, there is almost nothing that we can do about the virus except let it be worked out. thats That's what right. the vast majority of us are going to be, and so what we can do, though— is be a person that the world might see, live out a life that is of hope um, and joy in the Lord. And so, we what we really want to do in this little podcast is to encourage everyone to just practice living these commands out of uh, Philippians 4. Live them out with a sense of passion, a sense of purpose uh, as this pandemic works its way through our population. Wow, I got alliteration going Look at you. without even trying. Um, Ask that God, though, might use it to reveal to us ways that we never thought possible to model Christ in a world that has no hope, because believe me, beloved, they don't
0: have hope. Yeah. So those are our thoughts for now. Um, we'll see what happens in two weeks, (laughs) but, uh, we'd say thanks for tuning in. Uh, but until next time, join the conversation, let us know, I guess, about your quarantine and the things that you're doing to redeem the time, uh, leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell all your friends.